0: I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat straight into the word, and then just, just because I, I thought like it kind of jumped. It's it's a little bit on the back of what, what came out through worship, and then maybe we'll tell some some stellar stories or I'll get some of the, the guys to tell some of that. Um, but uh, um, what I one of the things that I felt um, for you guys is there's the the story of the the book of Hebrews. It's the book, the, the background of the story of the book of Hebrews is the book of Hebrews is written to a group of people that um, soon after Jesus died and rose and went, ascended to be with the Father, He poured out His Spirit, and a, and a group of Jewish people got saved. And, and you must understand for, for a Jew in that time, understanding that Jesus was the fulfillment of Scripture That's been prophesied for 4,000 years. In his mind, I understand that I'm the first fruits. I'm understanding that I'm getting that. But pretty soon, my whole nation is going to follow me. I mean, this is just God's next move in his journey with God's people. And then what happened is completely the opposite, you know. Um, They find themselves that the rest of their countrymen didn't follow them. And in fact, they started persecuting them. And they... um, (laughs) They um, become uh, like a neglected or, or shunned away people. And so, you know, I feel like sometimes um, as, we, um, as we start off in our Christian walk with all the excitement when we initially got saved and all the dreams that come with that and all the expectation of how things will pan out, and then sometimes a couple of years down the line, when some of the excitement has waned down, <laughs> and some of the expectation of some of the things that we thought will pan out a certain way, did not happen as we thought it would happen. And, and the writer of Hebrews finds that type of people that are actually a little bit discouraged because they thought things would be different than what they initially thought it would be. And then he comes into that place and he speaks to them and he encouraged them to find life in the Lord. It was almost that some of them were thinking, is it really worthwhile? Is it really worthwhile to give myself up for this? (laughs) Well, in their case, I could so easily withdraw to a much, well, um, much safer way of, of, of living um, and so I, I feel like there's some of you that's a little bit in that um, the the other thing that I that I want to say on, on the back of of this is the what's your name that's, sorry the leading the worship Isaac, Isaac right <laughs> laughter, that I know, right? That's what it means. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Um, So, this is a powerful thing that he said, you know, he he, he made the statement that God can do anything. I want to quickly ask you guys in this room, I know if we've got, I don't know how, how long you guys' journey is with the Lord, but if I would ask you, how many of you believe that God can do anything all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I, I, I grew up in a good Christian home. I'm, I'm an Afrikaner boy, all right? So Neil begged me not to speak any Afrikaans today, you know. Yeah. <laughs> said I would, I would lose him. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep myself, rein myself in here in Greenpoint to hide my Afrikaner cards here, all right? But I grew up in, in a good Afrikaner home. And in a good Afrikaner home, we believe very strongly In the sovereignty of God. God can do anything. Stars, in a word. Universe, in a word. God can do anything. And it's so good for me to hear that in this room, all of you, it seems like, on show of hands, all of you believe that God can do anything. But you know what was my problem always with God? I understand that He can do anything. I just didn't know if he wanted to. Because with God, it feels like a Russian roulette. I know he can do anything. But geez, it seems isolated, lucky strikes here and there as the Russian roulette strikes. He can. But does he want to? I feel God wants to declare something. Even more powerful than I can. Such a powerful declaration from God. I want to. I know now you guys are backing off. We were all on the same page if "He can. But you don't believe me <laughs> when I say he wants to. You see, something needs to break when we deal with God. That he's not only the guy that can. But flap, I don't know <laughs> whether I would be lucky. Imagine we can declare God wants to. God wants to. we we'll declare it. God wants to. <laughs> And I know you guys are all backtracking. You now. It's like, oh, what do you mean? You know, oh, what cases? No, no, no. It doesn't always work like that type of thing, right? So I want to quickly, um, let us just consider this, this verse in Matthew 15. You guys all know it very well. It's Matthew 15, um, verse, verse 7 and 8. Are you guys ready for this? It's in your Bible all along. All right. One, two, three. Uh, Did I say Matthew? John. Sorry, John. Did I say Matthew? Sorry. John. The friend of Matthew. Okay. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Sorry, I'm quoting Jesus here. And it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So, um, can I I make it emphatically clear (laughs) that it's the Father's desire for you to bear much fruit? To bear much fruit. It's interesting, you know. I um, as you as you go along in the Christian walk, every now and then, and that's further on in, in John 15. You get that part where Jesus speaks of himself as the wine dresser. The Father is the wine dresser of this vine, and He sometimes prunes this vine. Why does He prune it again? Can you guys remember? I, I like a, when I'm in, in see, I'm, I'm, I'm used to Stellenbosch teaching to a lot of students. So I'm feeling like I'm in a classroom uh, often. So I'm, I'm, forgive me for that. So why does the father prune the wine, the vine? To bear more fruit. You must understand that pruning is not an end. Pruning is not an end. Like there's the season that we eternally go through, I'm pruned, right? And after a while, I'm celebrating my pruning so much because sometimes it's easier to settle with a pruned state than trusting God for fruit. Hear what I'm saying. I've seen people that has been disappointed And things not working out as they want. And at the fear of being disappointed again, they reside and they settle in a state of pruning. Because they're too afraid to trust God for fruit. And they just settled in a state of pruning. (laughs) The only reason why God ever will prune you is so that you can bear much fruit. More fruit. Right? But... It is important for us uh, to give definition on this fruit. And Jesus does give us this this fruit, uh, the definition of fruit. So, in in John 15, verse 4 and 5, He's going to give us a little bit more definition on what Jesus means with fruit. So, John 15, verse 4 and 5. You guys know it, but I just want to point out something here for you guys. All right. Abide in me, all right, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. He gives us a little bit of indication there what fruit is. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus makes the statement, apart from you, apart from me, (laughs) sorry, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I know, I know Jesus said it, so we need to believe it. But I just want to ask you guys this question. Is it possible to do something without Jesus? Is it possible to do something without Jesus? Can, can, oh, Os- uh, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm generations behind now. But Osain Bolt used to be very quick. He could run the 100 meters, I think, in under 9.6, which is very fast. He could do that without Jesus. My son follows Liverpool's soccer team. <laughs> Liverpool can gather a stadium of thousands and thousands of people without Jesus. We can do a lot of things without Jesus. But what Jesus is saying, you can do nothing. Just if you can, you can do nothing, you can do, you can bear no fruit without me. And then this is our definition of fruit. Fruit is that thing, fruit is that thing in your life that could come by no other way except by Jesus. Every work that comes through you that the only way that it could come through is by the life of Jesus is the definition of fruit. For instance, I'm going to get a bit further in this. I can come to church without Jesus. No, no, I I really can. Muslims can go to a mosque without Jesus. It is possible to walk in here without Jesus. I can tithe without Jesus. I can. People give money away to funds all the time without Jesus. Listen to this. I can pray without Jesus. I can be a disciplined prayer warrior without Jesus. Muslims pray five times a day without Jesus. I don't care how much you pray. You don't even need Jesus to pray regularly. You can't have answered prayer without Jesus. My question is not how much you've prayed. My answer is how much answered prayer do you have? You can read the Bible without Jesus. I can ask you a lot of questions. You can know the Bible without Jesus. <laughs> How many of you believe Jesus can do anything? All of you put up your hands. How many of you can love Jesus can do anything? I tell you, there will be a lot less hands. How many of you believe (laughs) that when Jesus said, whoever believes in me and the works that I've done will do the same than I've done and even greater? It's in the Bible and all of us will believe it. How many of us love it? How many of us can explain the kingdom? How many of us can display the kingdom? How many of us can explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How many of us regularly pray for people for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? How many of us believe in healing? How many of us regularly see healing coming through our lives? See, it's interesting with me, I sometimes find myself, even in my Christian world, in my Christian walk, gravitating to the things that I can do apart from Jesus. And finding myself sometimes very very hard to gravitate to the things that the only way that this can come about is if Jesus does it. The only way that this can come about is for Jesus. And I find myself gravitating more to that. There's a, there's a, um, <laughs> there's a guy that um, is um, leading a church. He starts his meeting. It's like tongue in the cheek. He, uh, he starts his meeting like this. Today we are trusting for God to move in our meetings. Today we trust for the Spirit of God to enter in like never before. But don't worry if he doesn't move. We've got a beautiful program set out for you. He's tongue in the cheek, but I'm telling you in heart, that is where so many Christians are. God, you need to move, but don't worry if you don't. We've got a whole lot of things set out for you, a whole lot of programs set out for you. And so, let our Christian not our Christianity not be only marked by the fact that we are disciplined, and we should be disciplined, that we are tending, but somehow that people look at our lives, there's no other way to explain our lives other than God is alive. Where's, that, uh, uh, where's Isaac? Oh, there's, uh, sorry, Isaac, you were just there. No. How do you explain those two children other than God is alive? How do you explain it other than God is alive? And so somehow Jesus wants a life that is lives that can no longer, no other way be explained, other than Jesus alive. And so the first thing that Jesus asks us, and which he defines as abiding, is or in fruitfulness, is that anything that comes or birthed from him, anything that is fine, it's it's life. Its source from him is fruitfulness. But there's then a second abide that Jesus gives. It adds on the way to be fruitful. And the second one is in, is in verse 7. We've, we've read it before, but I'll just read it again. If you abide in me, and see here's a condition now. And my words abide in you you abide in me, number two, and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever, and it will be done for you. I, uh, um, I had a, a guy that was in our, in our church um, a couple of years ago. He, he said to me that he's, um, he's planning to move um, to a different nation. I said, all right, that's, that's very cool to hear. I said, uh, is, is God leading you there? I said, no, I, I didn't particularly ask God if I should go there, but, I mean, God is welcome to come with. <clears throat> now, I, I know we, we chuckle a little bit. <laughs> But so many of us plan our lives and just want to make sure God is invited on the journey. (laughs) He could come with, obviously. And then what happened is, after a while, we kind of realized, you know, that you can't do that. (laughs) You can't enjoy God to follow you. It's actually the other way around. You need to follow God wherever He goes, right? So wherever you go, God, I'll go. But then there comes a second problem in that thing. And that is that people's will is so strong. They've got a theology that I need to follow God's will. But their wills are so strong that that becomes the lenses through which they look at everything. And they are able to change God's will into their will. (laughs) Like it's amazing. I I had a, um, when I was at TMT at the Bible school, we. We, we got a prophet in to prophesy to all the students. And uh, it was like seriously accurate. And I know what goes on in each student's life. And I know that certain, certain, certain students look for certain confirmations to do certain things. And then the prophecy comes out and it warns them of that very thing. And then afterwards I will ask them, how is the prophecy? He's like, didn't you hear it so amazing? They confirmed exactly what I thought I should do. And I'm like, how on earth? How on earth are you able to do that? And, and I, I'm telling you, our worlds are so strong that it influenced the lenses through which we look at life that it's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> and the problem with... with uh, um, <clears throat> with the early disciples, um, as of the guys in the book of Hebrews, was there was a certain expectation that when Jesus, the king, is going to come, he's going to make us rulers of this earth. And then Jesus sets up a kingdom that's not from this earth. And so obviously these guys are then very much disappointed. <laughs> so when I got saved, I really hope Jesus is going to make me famous. I just wanted to be famous, Jesus. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) Make me great in Jesus' name. It will be all for your glory. I promise, Jesus. (laughs) And then obviously these type of things don't turn out as, as that. And then slowly but surely, we come to a place that we die to our wills. And at some stage, Jesus says in John 15, he says, Whoever knows my will, whoever knows my will and do it, me and my Father will make our home there. When you start tasting the will of God, it really becomes the most precious commodity on the earth. There's nothing that I want more on the earth than the will of God. I crave for it. I want it more than anything because I know that's where the Father and the Son makes their home. You want the presence of God? Just be in His will. That's where they make their home. And there's something that happens with us when the will of God and our will starts sinking. It's this thing, what Jesus says, you know, He desires to bring heaven to earth. That's it. it, it. (laughs) He wants to see. He wants to see fruitfulness manifest for his children. He wants to see what Isaac is experiencing many times through his people. He wants to see the power of him flow for his people. But there's something. And I I want to ask. I'm asking you guys here again in, in prayer life. This is for me a sign of maturity. It's not how much you pray, but what is your percentages of hitting the target? What is the percentages of answered prayers that you pray? So I know some of us pray three hours a day, or you know, it's, and it's great. I mean, I, don't stop. But I just wonder, what is the percentages of your prayers that is accurate? And don't be like those guys that we all are, that pray so vague, it's impossible to be answered or to measure whether it's ever answered. <laughs> Oh, Lord, just save the whole world. Uh, you know. <laughs> you know. What is the percentages of your prayers that's getting answered? It's a sign of someone walking with God. <laughs> it is like this. Our hearts starts tuning up with heaven. And our will and His will line up. Father, bring it. Zip. Bring it. And we see as the vehicles how heaven comes to earth. Because his will and our will just lines up. I want us to, to consider reality, you know. How much of our lives are marked with the reality of God. Just a the theory of coming to church. Read my Bible, pray, and tithe. Coming to church, read my Bible, pray, and tithe. I really, I mean, and and I, please continue doing that. But that's exactly the same. If that is all that there is for you, it's exactly the same as any other religion. They just maybe pray a little bit more. Pray five times. Go to Mecca. Go to mosque, you know, it's, it's a little bit more to it there. Ha ha ha, they're winning you. But the reality of God, that's what God wants to show off. But there's a third abide. I've given you the first abide, I've given you the second abide. But there's a third abide. There's a third abide. And in my dealings with people, of all the abides, I think this is the one that knocks the most people. And because this one is not abiding in their lives, probably the reason why people are not bearing as much fruit. And that's in verse 9. So listen to this one. (laughs) is that I give it to you. It's okay. Can I, I'll quote it. Yeah, okay. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. There's nothing that the enemy finds so much success in if he can get you to stop believing that God loves you. If he can make you believe that God is not for you, he surely cuts out the line for fruitfulness. God can! but I'm not even sure if he loves me. Now let me tell you that many times is exactly what it comes down to. As the father has loved me, I will say that's pretty intense. (laughs) So I have loved you. Abide in my love. So, I quickly want to read you guys a couple of scriptures that's in John 14, 15, and 16. Now, John 13 is the Last Supper. It's, it's, I mean, it's moments before Jesus is about to get crucified. Then he gives one last sermon. We call it a sermon, but he didn't give a sermon as I'm giving now. He's chatting to his disciples. And it's in one same chat. Chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. Chapter 17, he prays, last prayer chapter 18 he gets crucified but chapter 14 15 and 16 it's my last words it's my parting words but guys it's like I've been with you for three and a half years we've struggled through this I'm about to die I'm about to get resurrected things are changing quick quickly from here on I've got a couple of last things that I want to tell you guys and these are some snippets Of that large spot. I think John 14. The the verse. Whatever. This is John 14. Whatever you ask in my name. This I will do. That the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name. I will do it. Next one. You did not choose me. But I choose you. And appointed you. That you should go. And bear fruit same sermon same chat and that you that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give it to you same sermon that's after verse 7 that we just read if my word abides and you ask whatever chapter 16 in that day you will ask nothing of me truly truly i say to you whatever you ask of the father In my name, he will give it to you. This is what Jesus is saying. (laughs) Look, you can ask me, but the Father also wants a chance. Jesus is saying like, you will ask me a lot of things, but listen here, don't just ask me. The Father is standing. What about me? Ask me something as well. Verse 23, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Do Do you feel there's a bit of a commandment coming out there? Ask me. Look, you haven't asked me up till now. Ask me. Now, a couple of years ago, um, me and me and Naku, Naku my, my wife is from Japan, <laughs> so um, we we wanted to to go to Japan, and it was easy for me. Always, how I worked with God, you know. If I want to do something, and if I needed faith, this is how I do it. God, give me a word. If I get the word, I've got faith. And then I step out. And so I I said, God, we want to go to Japan. Should we go to Japan? And I'm waiting, and I hear nothing. And I'm like, God, come on. Just give me a word. And I felt the Lord whisper this to me. He said to me, ask me. I'm like, no, 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 God, whatever you want. And I heard the Lord again say to me, ask me. I'm like, can I even do that? Look, I, I don't have a lot of money, God, so if I'm going to ask you. You'll have to give me a lot of money here. So I'm like, God, we, I want to go to Japan. Now, up till then, I've been all over the world for ministry. I've been all over, ministering here and there. And it's so nice to ask God for money when you go to ministry. (laughs) You know, I'm going to do your work, God. Just please provide. It's your work, not mine. Just provide for me, Jesus. This one, I didn't have the same liberty. Jesus, we really want to go to Japan. For a holiday, God. (laughs) So I'm working out, you know, what it will cost to go to Japan. Now, at that time, it was, uh, I'm leading TMT, but it was before we joined Josh Jen. So we were lucky if we could get any salary a month, you know? It was, it was difficult times financially for us. And so we, we don't have any money. So I need to ask God to give us money here to go to Japan. So I'm working out the bare minimum, plane tickets. Luckily, my wife and my kids don't need a visa. I need a visa, probably we will be able to scrape into Japan with 50,000 Rand. I don't know how we're going to eat on that side, but I mean, at least we are in. So I'm just, God, will you please, please give us 50,000 Rand. Ah, just like, just like, I feel so bad. Sorry. All right. So um, um, a friend of ours, he's an elder. He used to be an elder in Wellington. He's now an elder in Paul. His name is um Kasi. He's just this wild guy. You know, nothing is ever too small for him. So he's eating with us, that even his wife is eating with us, and he says this You know, I've been considering and praying about you guys going to Japan, and I feel, if I, I think you guys need about 100,000 rand to make it a proper trip. And uh, um, he leaves, and Naku, you know, that doesn't struggle with the same orphan spirit that I do says to me, did you hear what Cassie say? He said, we must trust God for a 100,000 rand. This is what I respond to. I don't want the 100,000 rand. I just want 50,000 rand. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, you know, I'd like, God, I don't care. Okay, God, I, I want a hundred thousand rand. I can't even say it, you know. But finally, we, we kind of are united. We're going to trust God for it. And uh, this is just one part of the story. As we, we went then, God provided we could go to Japan. And he didn't initially, before we go to Japan, gave us a hundred thousand rand. But as we come back, and we count up how much we must tithe, we had to tithe 10,000 rand because God has provided for us 100,000 rand. But as we just entered into Japan, and uh, we were there for a day, and I, I just went alone and had time with God, and I just, God, I just, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for providing for us. And as I'm praying that and just thanking God, I heard him whisper, me, whisper this to me. Ask me something. I'm like, you can't do this to me, God. And I felt what he said to me. I find more pleasure in you walking in answered prayer than you found in it. Ask me. Nia, this is the problem. I don't know if you guys have ever had uh, uh, a beggar knocking on your door. We're good Christian people, right? First that first knock, you open up your door and it's like, I don't know how, <laughs> how it goes here, but uh Milani, you know, just a just a little bit, little food, little thing, and you're like, you know, you're kind of a little bit annoyed initially, but I mean you are a good Christian, you should give, and so on. It's like Okay, okay, okay. And you go out and you go and get some food, or you, you even give a little bit of money, you give it there. The next day, the same knock on the door. This time you have a little bit of a speech with it. Listen, I'll give it to you today, but don't abuse me here now. The third time the guy knocks, you go like, No, I'm not a charity. Alright? We're getting a little bit annoyed. My problem is, I saw myself as a beggar knocking on God's door. Please, God, just—I I don't want to—I don't want to bother you, but just, 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 just maybe a, a little bit. I—I I, I know it's been a difficult month for you as well. I know that's you know our resources is a little, bit, little, little, bit there in heaven. I'll, I won't. I won't. Right. Do you know that a son, listen to what I'm saying now, a son can never beg. Only a beggar can beg. Begging is all about identity, not about how much you ask. If you see yourself as a beggar, you will always feel like one. If you see yourself as a son, no matter how much, many times you ask, it will always feel like asking. While we were praying, me for today, she saw mountains. It's interesting that came out in worship. She saw mountains. And the feeling was that some of us, some of us have learned, almost as a pruning stage, to spiritualize the fact that we have a mountain in our lives. I'll just kind of accept I'll accept certain things in my life. I'll accept certain depression. I'll accept certain anxiety. I'll accept certain things in my life. For your namesake, Jesus. But there's a cry from God. Speak to the mountain. It's sometimes easier to accept mountains in our lives in Jesus' name than to speak it, to speak to it and let it be removed. So I want to ask you guys something. Let's just imagine this. Can you you guys, this is not an altar call, don't worry. I'm not I'm not uh, gonna ask for any hands to go up. Just um yep. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you to quickly close your eyes. Just let's do this exercise. All right. I want you to close your eyes. And now I want you guys to imagine. Jesus comes into this room. Obviously, all attention is moving away from me or whatever else is around. Jesus has just entered into the room. And now as we're sitting and all being very in awe of the fact that Jesus is in the room, he walks around and he comes to stand still right in front of you. Kneel and don't think, no, no, Jesus, go rather stand in front of that guy. (laughs) He wants to stand in front of each one. Come stand in front of you. And now he says to you, ask me anything. you better have something to ask. (laughs) Have our Christianity become in such a way that we have nothing to ask? He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. Just settle your heart. Just settle your heart. We're going to trust heaven to come to earth today. I don't know what you're going to ask. But we're going to trust for the kingdom to come. He's standing in front of you. Just take a moment and ask him. There's one more thing, and I mean, I know you guys are still engaging God. I can see people are still engaging God, and so on. But there's one more thing that I, in preparation, that I felt. You know, in in um in Galatians six, um, Paul says, "Do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season, God will reward you." Sometimes the the journey of fruitfulness takes time. And it needs a season of endurance. And I feel like some of us here has put the seed in the ground and has asked God. But almost just, you know, it's, it's faith and patience. <laughs> We we inherit the promise, Hebrews 6 verse 12. You know, there's in the 70s and 80s, there's a massive move that swept the church, the faith movement. But there's never been in the church a patience movement. (laughs) But it's faith and patience we'll inherit the, the, the the promise, right? And I just feel for some of you guys, look, I don't back out. He's about to break through. Or you're about to see fruit. Just just endure. Okay? I don't know how to land it now. Okay. So now, you, you, sorry, I, I know you guys have just been gone, closed the eyes with Jesus. i will just uh, going to ask, I'm going to pray for us. So if you guys can, can, can just... Uh, Um, do it again, please. No, so I, I will say this, you know, the reality of God plays itself out, you know, in in many ways. And, uh, and one of the realities of God is even though I grew up in a Christian home, I did And I I had certain basic theology of understanding of how Christianity worked. I knew there was a heaven and hell. And I kind of hoped that because I'm following, I'm in the Christian religion, I will go to heaven. But I was never sure. I was never sure because I was never really saved. I was never really born again. And one of the beauties of when I got born again The Holy Spirit became a seal of my salvation, surety of my salvation set in, right? It's one of the realities of God, I didn't wonder anymore, I knew, I know, I'm saved. And so I want to just pray for this, all right? This is one of the things that I'm kind of the tester of whether you know that you're saved. Are you sure that you're going to go to heaven? If you would die today, do you know where you're going? <laughs> right? So I want to I wanna ask, and if you are not sure, and you want to make the reality where that sure, sure um, seal, that sure affirmation, that sure one that I am going to heaven no matter what, settle in your heart if you want to make sure today if you could just maybe look all eyes are closed and all those things you know if you can just give me an indication by by show of hand won't embarrass you won't call you up in front i would just like to some stage afterwards just pray with you so if you want to if you can just give me an hand please Right. Anybody else? <laughs> okay. Father, and then, Father, we, we don't want to be people, Lord, as your people, that carrying a form of godliness. We go to church, we read our Bibles, we pray, we carry all the disciplines of you but the reality of God is so far from us. Father, may we become a people that bear much fruit. And Father, that this congregation will be marked by mountains move (laughs) and heaven manifesting on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.